Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. I didn't always have this level of excitement in my life. I was born at a very young age. And um, if you think about it, I was born into a fairly hopeless situation that there wasn't a lot of hope. There, there wouldn't be this great church. There, there wouldn't be um, all of the things that God has done in my life because I was born into an extremely dysfunctional family. Uh, they were not Christians. They weren't Jesus people. They didn't go to church. Um, and then um, my mom um, got radically saved. She, she gave her heart to Jesus. And I mean, my mom went all in on Jesus. Uh, my dad at that time was an alcoholic and um, just wasn't ready to get right with Jesus, wasn't ready to, to make that major change and one thing led to another and um, my parents divorced when I was very young. So here you've got this woman who's in her mid-20s, she's um, a single mom with two kids living in government housing and you would assume that that situation would be hopeless, that that situation would not end well, but it ended amazing. Because I remind you, my mother was a brand new Christian and she was hungry for God and she was growing in her faith. So she plugged into a local church and she began to volunteer and serve in that church and build relationships. And she met a man who had recently been, been widowed, widow, widowered, his wife passed. And um, <laughs> in the process of my stepfather's um, wife passing, he recommitted his life to the Lord. So you've got these two brand new baby Christians that decided to, to get married and they, they put a whole new life together. Uh, they, they started writing a whole new chapter of hope, a whole new family built on faith. And, um, and it, it was rocky. I mean, it wasn't super easy, but that was over 40 years ago. They're still happily married today and they've done great things for God because, because, because one person decided to embrace the hope that is found in Jesus. In the 1990s, my, my stepfather took early retirement from his job and they moved to China. They were missionaries in China. They led many people to Jesus. When they returned to the U.S., uh, they went to seminary and they became pastors. They, they pastored churches all over the East Coast. Now they're retired. My mom's in her 70s. My stepdad's in his 80s. And they're still ministering, teaching weekly Bible studies, uh, ministering in nursing homes there in Virginia. And I'm just so proud of my parents because... They are a living example that Jesus changes everything. And that when you really embrace the hope that's found in Jesus, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. So, so I, I just love that we can come here this morning and sing and celebrate and honor God and thank him for the hope that we find in Jesus. Now, you might be here this morning and you're like, dude, I don't have a lot of hope in Jesus. That's your thing. I just kind of got guilted into being here and was too nice to say no, so here I am. Listen, I, listen, I understand. And I'm so proud of you for being here today. I really am. I'm honored that you would, you would come and you'd join us for church today. I'm so grateful that you'd be here today. I need to clarify, when we talk about hope, we're not just talking about some sort of empty wish. We're talking about hope that is, it's a firm foundation. We've built our lives on this hope. Because um, here's the literal example of that. We would not be sitting here today. I certainly wouldn't be your pastor if hope had not been found by a single mom in 1976 at a Wednesday night Bible study, and she went all in on the hope that is in Jesus. So today, we're looking back 2,000 years, and we're celebrating the hope that Jesus gives us by, by defeating sickness and death and hell and the graves and, at grave, and he was risen, and there there's joy in that. So let's, let's define hope. When I say hope, what do I mean? Because I'm not, I don't mean a wish. Like, I, 
I hope this happens, meaning I, I wish that this would happen. I, I hope my team wins. I, I hope that that dress is on sale. Uh, I, I hope he doesn't preach as long as he did last Sunday. You know, like, <laughs> amen. That's more of just like a wish, like a shot in the dark. That's not biblical hope. The definition of biblical hope is the joyful anticipation of good. I'm gonna repeat that. The definition of biblical hope is the joyful anticipation of good. It's the joy that you have now before the answer to the prayer that you've prayed. Because hope is always gonna be attached to our faith. So we have this confidence in God, so we stand in confident hope. It's, it, it's faith, it's strong, it's real, it's living and active. And if we're gonna have a living and active hope, we can't attach our hope to anything or anyone other than the living hope. See, a lot of times we put our hope in things. We put our hope in our job. We put our hope in politics. We put our hope in the economy. We put our hope in a sports team. But unless we put our hope in the living hope that is Jesus, we're always gonna feel disillusioned. We're always gonna feel like hope has fallen short because that's what we do. When we put our hope in something in this life, I hope I get a raise. I hope Lucas Calf is healed and he can play in game two. I hope the Rangers front office realize you actually have to spend money on pitching to not be a terrible baseball team. Um, I hope gas prices come down. I hope this remodel comes in under budget. <laughs> That's my hope. <laughs> when we hope, you can't really see it, but what we're doing is we're reaching out and grabbing for something. It's, it's, I mean, you don't see it, but it's a reaching out and grabbing a hold. And we will always be disappointed if we reach out for hope and grab on to anything other than Jesus. Do you know that we're actually called to walk in hope? And if we don't have hope in Jesus and we grab on to a, even our, as wonderful as a happy marriage is, you can't put all of your hope in it. Your first hope should be in Jesus. Even if you have a great job, your hope can't be in your job. It has to be in Jesus. Even if you've got, you know, this amazing inheritance, you're a bazillionaire, you're, you're Bill Gates's kid. Like, you can't put your hope in money. It has to first be anchored to Jesus because the only hope that doesn't leave us feeling empty is when we reach out and grab a hold of Jesus because our hope in Jesus, it'll never disappoint. When we have hope that isn't realized, it's called hope deferred and the Bible says it makes the heart sick. Here at Uncommon Church, we have a vision, a passion, a, 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 a belief that underlines everything that we do. And that is, we, our job is to equip you to know God personally, to grow strong in your faith, and then to do what God's called you to do. Know, grow, do. You'll actually see it on all of our website and Instagram and on the walls out there. To know God, to grow strong, and to do what you've been called to do. We take the majority of that vision from a verse that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. This is in your Bible. Um, he was writing a letter to uh, believers in Jesus that were living in an area of, called Ephesus, a kind of modern-day Turkey. And in, in Ephesians chapter 1, he says this. I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. I'm remembering you in my prayers. Now just leave that verse right there for a second. You might be here this morning and you think, 
nobody ever prays for me. Well, did you know that we have been praying for you? We may not know your name if you're a first time visitor, but we've been praying for you. We have been, we've been expecting you. You might have chosen your seat randomly, but we believe that God puts you in that seat. He puts you in this room. He puts you online watching this sermon on YouTube because today is actually a divine encounter and we have been praying for you. Verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, might give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. Now leave that verse up for a second. Um, Similar to the English language, see you have to remember, Paul was writing to people that that spoke and understood Greek. So this letter would have been written in, in Greek and in the same way that in the English language we have two meanings of one word to know, it was the same in Greek. And that is, there's the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Uh, One example of this would be, we all know that the president is Joe Biden, but I, I doubt any of us personally know the president like in our hearts. Like we wouldn't be allowed to just wander into the White House and sit down and have, have dinner. Because we, we know him in our head, we don't know him in our hearts. Well, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus and he said, listen, I want you to know him, Jesus, personally and intimately. I don't want you to have a head knowledge. I think there's a lot of people that go to church in America and they know Jesus, but honestly, they really don't know Jesus yet. Because that's what, what, what Paul is saying. I want you to know Jesus personally. I want you to know Jesus in, intimately. Verse 18, he goes on to say, here's my prayer for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened or opened in order that you would, here we go, know the hope that he has called you to. And in that hope, there is the riches of his glorious inheritance that's for God's holy people. At Uncommon Church, we want you to know God, to grow strong, and then to do what you've been called to do. We want you to know God personally, to grow strong, deep roots of faith, and then to begin to do what God's called and equipped you to do. Did you notice in verse 18, he said, you are called to be a people of hope. And we're praying that the eyes of your heart would be open to know that hope, to know that that is the call on your life. You are destined to live in hope. And that that hope, it comes from a a, a glorious father in heaven because only the children receive an inheritance. And you have been adopted into the family of God by the blood of Jesus. So there is an inheritance for you that comes from your Father in heaven that loves you. He, he, and if you don't know Jesus yet, he wants to adopt you. You might have felt like an orphan your whole life. I'm telling you, there is a Father that has come to the orphanage today to lift you up in his arms of love and to adopt you into his family. When I read scriptures like this, this makes me happy. Like if you really look at the meaning of what the Apostle Paul is saying, biblical hope makes me want to jump up and down and shout. Like makes me want to be like, we're not orphans. We've been adopted. We have a loving family. I have a hope that comes from my Father in heaven. I have an inheritance that's waiting for me. My hope and my joy are connected. Hope and joy are always going to be connected. Have you ever noticed hopeless people are also joyless people? And then also notice when you see people with great hope, you're always gonna find great joy. There is a funny thing. I never find anybody that has too much hope and joy. Like there's nobody that's like, well, bless God, I have all the hope and joy I could possibly handle in my life. 
I just want a little bit of sadness and misery. <laughs> That's called religion. So, and I'll be honest, after the last two years that we've had, we need hope more now than ever before. We need hope more now than ever before. I don't know what your last two years has looked like, but if you have struggled in any way with fear or anxiety or depression or addiction or financial problems or relationship problems, I'm telling you, Jesus is the hope for today. Jesus is your hope for tomorrow. Jesus was my mom's hope 40 years ago. Jesus was Caesar and Andrea's hope 18 months ago. Jesus is your hope. And everything changes when we really believe in biblical hope. Nothing ever stays the same. Another thought or point that I wrote down was this. Hope is an inside job. See, there's always going to be a reason not to have great faith. There's always going to be a reason not to have great hope. But if you have hope as an inside job, that inner hope is, is not affected by outward consequences and outward circumstances. So I, I, I want to repeat it. Inner hope is not affected by worldly consequences and circumstances. Great joy and great faith are a choice. That no matter what the circumstances are, I choose hope, I choose joy, I choose faith in God. It doesn't matter if I have a job or don't have a job. It doesn't matter if I have a spouse or don't have a spouse. It doesn't matter if I have a child or don't have a child. It doesn't matter how many zeros are in my bank account or how many red negative zeros are in my bank account. My hope is in Jesus. And let me just say this. Uh, here's just a warning in life. If being affected by the circumstances of life coming at you, that's only going to create a victim mentality. You're always going to see yourself as a victim and life is just coming at you. But don't let life happen to you. The devil hates you. As much as God loves you, the devil hates you. And he's always looking for ways to punch you in the mouth. He always wants to punch your heart and your faith and your body and your health and your marriage and your kids and your grandkids in the mouth. The devil hates you, but we are not victims. In Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We are children of the Most High God. We're not orphans. We're not alone in this world. We have a loving Father that is watching out for us and protecting us. So we have become overcomers by having Jesus live on the inside of our lives. So by reacting to, to life, by reacting to politics, by reacting to the economy, it is allowing our hope and joy to be stolen. Recently, I heard it said that hope and joy are an inside job. You know what else there's no room for on the inside? Sin. When we willfully sin against God, it steals our hope and joy. It steals that confident hope that we have in God. I don't have time to go into a whole big diatribe on sin, but I'm always reminded of King David in the Old Testament. See, the Bible is split up into the Old Testament, the history of the Jewish people, and then the New Testament, after Jesus came and brought this life-giving message to everybody, Jew and Gentile. But back in ancient Israel, there was a king named David. It's the same David that defeated Goliath, and he became king of Israel. But as much as he loved God, and as much as he loved confident hope, he had a, a sin issue, and he ended up um, committing adultery, and then he didn't want to get caught from getting, committing adultery, so then he committed murder and he, he killed the husband of the girl he slept with. But he loved God so much, he felt so awful for it, that we read his repentance in Psalm 51, where he said, God, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I've done this. I'm, as much as I love you, I've sinned against you. So Lord, created me a clean heart. 
Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And then in verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. I love that David said, restore to me. Bring me back to that hope. Bring me back to the joy that I find in salvation. See, when we restore something, we're coming back to a specific place, a specific time. And we are, he's saying, restore to me the joy. That, restore to me that happy moment when I got right with you. Like, what is the most happiest moment of your life? And if you really picture and you really look at pictures, you can go back to that place in your mind and your imagination. You can go back to your graduation. You can go back to your wedding day. You can go back to your child being born. You go back to this amazing, life-changing encounter. So what David is saying is, Lord, man, even though I've sinned against you, please forgive me and then restore to me my hope and my joy. See, a lot of times people think that hope and joy and excitement is only for new Christians. Listen, we don't graduate past hope and joy. Like, we don't mature past hope and joy. And if you did, then you don't understand how this thing works. See, hope and peace and faith and joy, these are things that we carry with us. And, 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 and we carry hope. We are bearers of hope that is found in Jesus. And here's the problem. If you meet Christians that don't have hope, it's because they put their hope down and they picked up fear. And they picked up anxiety. And they picked up addiction. And they picked up trouble. And then you look at them and you go like, bro, what happened to your heart? What happened to your faith? What happened to your marriage? What happened? And you're like, I don't know. All I have is this fear and anxiety and depression and loneliness. So we need to restore the hope. Go back to where we put hope down and put that thing down and restore unto us the joy that is our salvation. So when somebody gets right with God, either for the first time or the first time in a long time, for me, when I see that, it's not a golf clap moment. Like, bravo for getting right with Jesus. Like when somebody asks God to forgive their sin and they get right with God and they put down sin and they put down fear and they put down sickness and they pick up the hope and joy we have in Jesus, for me, that's a Super Bowl celebration. That's like, we won. We're winners in Jesus. Yeah. When you really understand the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as a hopeless circumstance. Sometimes there's hopeless people. But when God is in the equation, there's never a hopeless situation. Because with God, nothing is impossible. You might say, well, they've got cancer. What if they die? Even in death, there is life for the believer in Jesus. When you are a really repent of your sin and make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're, you're 99 years old, you've got your family surrounding you, you peacefully die in your sleep, you, your body, this bag of meat and bones you walk around in will die, but who you really are will never taste death. You will go from life to eternal life. You'll never experience death. Oh, death, where is your sting? And that's what the kingdom of God is always saying, that when you have hope in the kingdom of God, the future is always gonna be better than the present. If you think about when you read your Bible and you read some of the stories of what God did in the Bible, it seems like God always chose people that had like unrealistic hope. But can I tell you something, church? God has not called us to be realistic. The kingdom of God is not an earthly kingdom. 
We, we're called to live supernatural lives. Therefore, our hope, our faith, our joy, our peace, it's always going to seem unrealistic to the world. But it makes sense because when you look at the Bible, every miracle that you see, God picked somebody of faith and it seemed unrealistic that God would be able to do a miracle in their life. But it was their hope, it was their faith in God that what they prayed, even if they faced difficulty, they prayed in faith and that miracle was going to happen. They had a confident hope, a joyful anticipation of good because hope will always ignore everything that could go wrong. Let me say that again. Hope will ignore all the things that can go wrong. You might think your ministry is to find all the things that can go wrong. All you're doing is just being negative and complaining and opening the door to the devil to do wrong things in your life. Think about all the good things that God can do in your life. Think about all the good things that God's done for other people. God can do it in your life. And what's gonna happen is that hope, that faith, it'll make you brave. You'll try things that you never thought you could. God is looking for brave people that have an extravagant faith and extravagant hope. And remember, our vision at Uncommon Church is to know God, grow strong, and do what we've been called to do. But even more important than what we do is what we believe. Because if we really believe that God is good, if we really believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and three days later on Easter 2,000 years ago rose from the dead, if we really believe that our God is good, then we're gonna believe in his victory and we're gonna believe in hope and then everything we do will be filled with hope and joy. You'll be like, hey, I've got a pink slip for you and we're gonna lay you off. You're like, yes, God's gonna give me a new job. You're like, this is a crazy person. No, it's that the circumstances don't affect me because my faith and hope is not in this world. My faith and hope is in Jesus. The problem comes when we think that our hope and joy are based on who we are and not who God is. Because we know ourselves, we know our thoughts, we know our history, we know our, our sins, our struggles, we know our fears. So we project all of that onto God when we look at things in life. So we look at people in life, we look at people in our family, we look at people at work, we look at people in the church, we look at our future, and we see them through the eyes of fear and dread instead of the eyes of hope because we're projecting our past onto what God can do with our future. But what that does is that, that says that God is not real. We're looking at things through the eyes of flesh. Hope and joy being released in our life will always look to see things through the eyes of God, that nothing is impossible for God, that we are a people of faith. Philippians 4, 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I'm gonna say it again, rejoice. Rejoice where? In the Lord. Hope and joy is always found in the Lord and not in this world. There was a, a couple, this was years ago, they were brand new Christians. They weren't raised in Christian homes. They heard a message like this and they're like, I am in. And they, they asked God to forgive them. They surrendered their life to Jesus. They were newly married. <laughs> and uh, they were sitting down with Josie and I and they go, hey, uh, pastor, we fight a lot, but only when we're drunk. Does the Bible say anything about getting drunk? Because it just seems like, and I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's in there like 26 times. Like, it's, it's a no-no. He's like, I knew it. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Because in my right mind, in my sober mind, I love her and I would never say anything harsh. You put a few beers in me and I say all these terrible things. <laughs> Out of the heart, the mouth flows. And they were brand new baby Christians. So he had the process of just beginning of God transforming him from the inside out. Joy is connected to the source of all hope. That's from Romans chapter 15. 
I pray that God, who is the source of hope, will fill you a little bit with joy and peace. Hold on, we moved the screens this week, so I want to make sure they got this. I pray that God, the source of hope, oh, snap, will fill you completely, will fill you completely, will fill you completely with what? Joy, hope, peace, why? Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with what? Confident hope. And that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God working in your life to overflow hope. That every time you meet somebody, they're like, wow, what a, what a hopeful person, what a joyful person. That person that really has a positive outlook on life. No, that person is overflowing Jesus onto you. Because, remember verse 13, God is the source of our confident hope. God is the foundation of all joy in our life. God is, the, look at this building, and in some places you're gonna see some cracks that a small child could fall into. <laughs> Be careful. North Texas made this foundation move a little bit. But all of this is resting on this. Hope in the Lord is the foundation for everything else in your life. And if this isn't going well, go back and take a look at the foundation. You might have some cracks in your foundation. Everything that we believe goes back to that empty tomb 2,000 years ago and what we celebrate on this Easter. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus came to earth at Christmas. Actually, I can say it now, and if your kid's in the room, I'm sorry, we got a great kid's church. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th on the Gregorian calendar. Yes. That's what, that's what I was here for, was to help you. He was probably born in early spring, could have been, I mean, early fall, could have been late spring. But the point is this. Jesus came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He ministered from 30 years old to 33 years old. He celebrated that last Passover with his disciples. He said, tomorrow, I'm gonna let my body and my blood be broken and shed for you, that there would be a new way to be human, a new way to know God. And that all hope and joy from this empty tomb Easter Sunday forward comes on the foundation that we believe in the finished work of the cross, the finished work of that empty tomb. We've, we have this confident hope that only comes through Jesus. Hop up on your feet because I wanna pray with you. If, you're, if you've been through these last two years and you've struggled with, with hope, if you're here today and you, maybe you're in a difficult situation in marriage, maybe you're in a difficult situation financially, maybe you're in a difficult situation um, in your health, maybe you're in a difficult mental health situation, listen, everything we latch onto other than Jesus will leave our hope to be deferred. So my question is this. If you have laid your hope down, where did you leave it? If you've picked up an addiction, if you've picked up anxiety, if you've picked up fear, if you've picked up loneliness, if you've picked up depression, there is a hope that is found in Jesus. I need you to put down what it is you've been carrying and go back and pick up hope that we find in Jesus. The person that wrote the book of Hebrews put it this way. Can we hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering? Leave that verse up for a second. Let us hold, oh, there's a different translation. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. Why? Because God can be trusted to keep his promise. So the writer of Hebrews is trying to help us to succeed in life, and he's giving us a couple of points right here. One of them is hold on to hope without wavering. Look at verse 24. Let us think of ways, let us imagine ways, let us come up with a, a list of ways that we can motivate one another to acts of 
good things that we would do, love and good works. Verse 25, this is important for the last two years. We must not neglect meeting together. Some people do, but we need to gather together and encourage one another, especially now that the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. So here's three areas from the Bible to help you grow in your hope. Number one, hold fast to hope no matter what. Number two, encourage one another. Number three, don't skip church. We need this relationship. We need one another to encourage one another. If you have been wavering in your hope in Jesus, today is your day to return to him. Pick up hope, pick up joy, pick up peace, and live a life of faith in Jesus. And then look for ways to encourage one another. And then if you've been out of church, Man, I, I double dog dare you to get back into church and not just attend church. I mean, really plug in. We've got our growth track coming up on May 1st in a couple of weeks. It's kind of how we get people from the outside to the inside. It's kind of how we, you know, Jesus will adopt you into his family with his blood. Growth track is how we adopt you into our family. And we, we want you to get plugged in. We want you to join one of our groups, our small groups that meet during the week, build relationships with other people. Don't neglect the meeting together with the people of God. The funny thing about hope is it's, it, it is similar to COVID. It's highly contagious. So you wanna be around other people that have a godly hope. Let that rub off on you. Let that build your hope and peace. Today we celebrate Jesus' death, his burial, his victory over sin and sickness and the grave, and we celebrate his resurrection. But Jesus has already done his part. He, he's not gonna die on the cross again. He's not gonna be risen from the dead again. He's already done everything that needs to be done. It's our job to ask him to forgive us. It's our job to repent. Repent is kind of a churchy church word. That means we, we, we turn the way we think, we turn the way we, we live, and we, we stop living in sin. Jesus put it this way, you need to die to your old self so you can live for me. I'm just gonna put a pause right there. If you are new to churchy church stuff, isn't it totally weird that all of our songs were about blood this morning? Like, doesn't that freak you out just a little bit? Like, if it doesn't, then you've been in church too long. Like, if all the lyrics were like, all the stuff about blood, like, no other religion, like, it's like, yeah, more blood in our songs. It's so weird. But Christians are like, oh, thank you for your blood, Jesus. Can we just stop and talk about how weird that is? Because, like, they're singing the songs like it's not weird. I've been a Christian for 25, 30 years. It's still weird to me. That we're like, yeah, I need the blood. Drip me in your blood. What is our fascination with blood? Can I tell you what it is? In the Old Testament, God wanted people to be in right relationship. But ever since the Garden of Eden, ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God, there was this separation and it was our sin, all of our sin, not just Adam and Eve's sin, all of all y'all's sin. And in the Old Testament, God's like, listen, I'm gonna work on a way to send my son, but in the meantime, I'm gonna create this like temporary plan. And if the Jewish people would take an animal and sacrifice it, and that blood poured out once a year, it would temporarily cover the sin of the Jewish people so that they could have that relationship with God. But Jesus came, and in 33 years, he never sinned. He was tempted, he was tempted to sin and get angry, he was tempted to sin and get drunk, he was tempted to sin and have sex with somebody he wasn't married to, he was, he was never married by the way. He, he was tempted to sin, but Jesus never sinned. So he's the only one in history that could take our sin, put it on his back, 
And that's why he died on the cross. He took our sin to the cross. We should have died for our sins. Jesus died in our place. Jesus himself said, I'm, I'm gonna shed my blood on that cross. And when I do, I'm not gonna cover your sin. I'm gonna remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we're like, I'm a dirty, rotten, wretched sinner. No, I was a dirty, rotten, wretched sinner. Now I am a child of the Most High God. I am a saint, not a sinner. Why? Because of the blood. So that's why Christians get all bananas for the blood. That's why we're like, yeah, the blood of Jesus! It's because if it weren't for the blood of Jesus, then I would be responsible to die for my sin. So that's why we celebrate what Jesus did. It's up to us to repent and ask the Lord Jesus to forgive us of our sin, that we would surrender our lives to Jesus, that we, remember how hope is reaching out, that we would reach out and grab a hold of Jesus because he is the only one that can be our confident hope. Stop putting your hope in anything in this world. Can we pray together? Lord, I pray for my friends that are here today. Lord, I, I pray that you would open our eyes to see if there's any area of our lives that we have laid down hope, laid down faith, laid down peace and joy, and we've picked up anxiety, we've picked up fear, we've picked up addiction, we've picked up some sort of depression, we've picked up anything in this world. We've picked up hope in money, hope in job, hope in relationships. If we have hope in anything but you, our, our heart is gonna grow sick. So Lord, I, I pray that today, even if it's just one person here in the room, even if it's just one person watching on YouTube right now, Lord, if, if, if there's anything in our life that has separated us from your love and hope and joy and peace, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that we would ask you to forgive us and that we would return to that place of hope and joy. It might be the first time in our lives or the first time in a long time, but I pray you'd help our friends here to do that today. Let's just continue to pray. Just keep your eyes closed, your head down, but let me talk at your heart for a minute. If you're here this morning and your heart is kind of beating out of your chest right now, and you're like, dude, I hope he doesn't ask us to raise our hand. That's actually about to happen. Because I wanna help you. I love you and I have been praying for you. And I wanna lead you in a prayer, similar to what David prayed thousands of years ago. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Restore to me the hope and joy of my salvation. Now, that might be the first time in a long time you've prayed that prayer for some of you Maybe you've never prayed that prayer, and today is gonna to be your day, like my mom in 1976, where hope enters her life and everything changes from then on. I would like to know who I'm gonna pray for. I can't pray for you, all I can do is lead you in that prayer, but I would like to know who I'm praying for. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're ready to repent of sin, ask the Lord to forgive you, make Jesus the Lord of your life, the hope this Easter, Either if it's the first time or the first time in a long time and you're ready to, to pray that prayer, would you shoot your hand up real high and, and wave it here at me and say, preacher, I need to get right with God today. I see your hand, I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Come on, somebody. Just shoot your hand up real high. Good, I see your hand, I see your hand. Wow, I see your hand back there. Come on, yay God, yay God, yay God. How fun, what a great Easter this is. Yay God, yay God, yay God. <laughs> let me 
Let me talk to our friends that are watching online. I saw six or seven hands shoot up and say, preacher, pray for me. Lead me in that prayer. I've got to get right with God. I haven't forgotten about you. You're watching at home. Your heart's beating out of your chest. You're ready to get right with God. Right there in your living room, in your car, in your bedroom, which just between you and God, would you shoot your hand up and say, preacher, that's me. I, I want to get right with God. I want to pray that prayer with you guys today. Again, I remind you, I can't pray it for you, but I will lead you. And if you believe it in your heart, I want you to pray this out loud. In fact, why don't we all pray together to help our friends out. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I choose hope. I choose joy. I choose faith. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, I thank you for the empty tomb. I pray you'd fill my heart and my life today. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go, online people. Come on. Get God. Get God. Get God. I have the funnest job in the world. It's just the super funnest thing to see people get right with God and to, to know God personally, grow strong in their faith, and then begin to do great things for God. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I don't care if you raise your hand or not, today is your day of salvation. I want you to write this day down because this is gonna be like your Wednesday night Bible study in 1976 that changed everything for my mom, for me, for my kids, for my grandkids because one woman got right with God. That's what's gonna happen in your life. You get right with God. There's hope for the next generation. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.